Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. And I feel like, I mean, I haven't met a ton of positive reinforcement-based training horses before, but the ones I have seen actually have some pretty good I guess self-control, I don't want to label it that, but they do know how to act around food because it's been trained. Whereas horses who are trained strictly with traditional horsemanship, they tend to be the ones that are searching in your pockets or grabbing at your hands because they get treats and they have no idea why. So since they're not being marked for the behavior that they're getting the treat for, they tend to just kind of decide that whatever they're doing in the moment is what they're getting the treat for, because again, they're not being told. So if someone has treats in their pocket and they feed right out of their pocket, that's where the horse is going to begin to go for treats. Usually those horses that I see problems with food with, and like we said, it's because they haven't been worked with food properly. Yeah, exactly. It's just unfortunate that people just think that the food is the problem when food is a very kind of natural and just kind of makes sense thing to use in horse training. I mean, horses are foraging animals and they have a really strong seeking system. So using treats is just kind of a very natural and common sense thing that you would think people would use with horses, but you still have a lot of people who think that that doesn't make sense or think, you know, I definitely hear people say, You can't train a predator and a prey animal the same way, which to me just literally doesn't make any sense because the whole thing about learning theory is that it works for everybody. (laughs) So it's just like, where are you getting this claim from other than you just made it up and you just want to be able to say that? I mean, they're even like just looking at horses as a species, their strong seeking system and their willingness to move a lot and do a lot of things to find food. I mean, that's just a very strong indicator that treats are going to work with them. Yeah, especially because they're grazing animals, so they can eat pretty much whenever. If you have food available, they're ready for it. Yeah, exactly. Like when I'm looking into getting a dog, one thing I'm having to think about is like, okay, I can't just give them an unlimited amount of like (laughs) treats. I really need to like figure out here you know, what treats I can give them a lot of and whatnot. Because with horses, it's like, oh, just hay pellets. You know, if I give them a billion hay pellets, they're pretty much fine. Because if I wasn't standing there feeding them hay pellets, they were going to be eating grass or eating hay or eating some other way. Like it's just kind of their natural state to be taking in food at all times as like a grazing animal. So it's very easy to train them with food and you don't, you can't really I mean, you can overdo it with hay pellets, but I think it's for most healthy horses, it's a lot harder to overdo it with hay pellets than it is, you know, for some other species. Yeah, definitely. I think being overweight is a big issue that people see with both animals, but really I haven't seen that as an issue because a lot of the time with dogs and horses, we're training with movement too. So, I mean, there's certain situations where we're using stationary things with like cones or mats or some other stationary target, but a lot of the time they are moving and being active. Just using their normal food for horses or dogs is usually fine. With my dogs, it depends on what we're doing. Sage, a lot of the time, if he leaves the house, needs higher value treats because he's just anxious all the time. (laughs) It's a work in progress. But usually like 
five to 10 minutes after we start a walk, he's able to eat kibble or like a medium value treat, something soft, but not hot dogs or cheese. With truffle, he'll take pretty much anything whenever. So I usually just use his normal kibble and we'll kind of ration his meals for maybe he'll get like half of his meal in a puzzle bowl and the other half is in training. And I think some people do that with horses too, with their daily grain, whatever they get, they might get half of it in a bucket and then half of it's for training. I don't really see being overweight as an issue for either of them obviously depends on the health condition of the animal and what you're feeding and how much but I don't know I haven't come across that issue with the horses or the dogs. Yeah that's very fair I definitely have had weight issues with my horses I mean with my Maricoco she had all sorts of weight issues where she was (laughs) severely overweight and then severely underweight and then eventually in the end of her life she got to a pretty pretty decent weight I think but I don't think that was like related to the training at all and for a lot of that I wasn't when when she was overweight I wasn't even training with food I gave her a few treats but I was not at all training with food and I was doing more traditional stuff so I guess in my experience the overweight actually happened when I wasn't really feeding many treats but I do see how if you're feeding like very sugary high value treats a lot then you might have some issues with weight but I mean even before issues with weight you're probably going to have issues with them just getting too much sugar and that's going to cause, you know, stomach issues or hoof issues or, you know, general things like that. So there are plenty of reasons why you should use pretty much as low value of treats as the horse will take and be willing to work for, I think. And you can vary it a little bit. I know some people will, you know, for the really good behaviors, give them a little bit higher value, but mostly use the lowest value possible. I think that's a fine way of doing it, but I think at least the majority being pretty low value is just good for their health in general. And I think almost all positive reinforcement trainers who know what they're doing kind of do use that, those low value treats. So that will really help. But yeah, I definitely think that there are concerns with that. But if you manage the environment, that's probably going to do or have more of an impact there than the training. Like if they have an environment that's encouraging them to move like a track system or even just a normal field where you have, you know, the water up a hill or the water in the hay on opposite sides. So they have to travel around and move to get to the different resources, things like that. I mean, that's going to give them kind of a more healthy level of natural movement in their environment that's going to help with their weight. So I would honestly definitely look to those things first and see how you can encourage natural movement in their environment as kind of like a weight control tactic before going to the training and being like, that's the problem. Because I think a lot of the issue that can make horses overweight is that we can't really provide their natural need for movement in our domestic environments. So the most we can do to provide that need, I think the better that's going to be for the animal. Yeah, I think the same is true for dogs, too, because a lot of the dogs that I have seen that are overweight are either eating way too much outside of training or they're just not getting enough physical activity. And both those things are also going to affect their mental health, too, not just their physical. And the same is true for horses, like track systems are a great idea because they're naturally going to move more taking dogs for a walk, or if you have a fenced in yard, letting them run and play for a while. Those are good ways to get exercise 
without really having to train. So you don't have to use food all the time. But I also think it depends on the individual too, because the sage, I feel like he has like the highest metabolism ever. He could eat anything and not gain weight. But Truffle is more particular about his food because he has allergy issues and just puts on weight quicker. It's common for his breed. What I think is his breed, at least he's not DNA tested, but so he needs more physical activity and a lower amount of food because of just how he is naturally. And that might be for horses too like I know quarter horses and morgans are more prone to different digestive issues so they might need more management but I really don't think the training is the issue I think more often it's the environment yeah I definitely agree I mean I think you know a lot of the time when you're having any type of issue whether it's weight or just something else a lot of the time there is something in the environment you can change or in management to kind of improve that Um, And I think, you know, a lot of people also are feeding their horse a lot of very high sugar, high protein, just like very, I don't know, just very high in nutrition feeds. And that is not necessarily ideal because really the majority of their diet should be from their forage and they should just be getting a little bit of like a ration balancer with, you know, whatever they need to kind of balance that diet for the nutritional standards that they need. And I am not a nutrition expert, which I'm sure you could tell by listening to me talk about nutrition, but Like, it's just kind of one of those things where I think a lot of people don't even know that there is a problem with feeding like five pounds of sweet feed. They're just like, yes, this is what horses are supposed to eat. And so I think like things like that are, you know, what you should look to first and make sure that your horse is having the right diet and it's very forage based before, again, before going to the training. And the training can also contribute to a forage based diet if you're using, you know, forage based reinforcers like hay pellets or, Even you can even use like little actual pieces of hay if you really wanted to that, you know, could also help with that. Yeah, I don't know where else to go with that. I feel like we covered everything on that topic. One common thing I see with both dogs and horses on food is also the idea of not wanting the animal to do something for food, but wanting them to do it for you. And I think that's a really big issue in both species that I've seen. Oh, yes. (laughs) I see that all the time. I was recently talking with somebody on Facebook, and I don't even know why I engaged with these people, but it was like type of situation where somebody was giving somebody else advice. And so when I see those type of situations, and I see really bad advice being given, I feel like I need to say something because it's like, it's not just somebody sharing their own bad opinion, it's them giving it as advice. And I at least want the person who's receiving the advice to know that, hey, there are reasons why this advice that this other person gave you is not good. And, you know, I even linked a study and like really got into like the science of it. I'm not just out here being like, I don't like your advice. You're stupid. Like, I'm just trying to respond and be like, hey, you know, this is a common belief, but here's actually a study that is going to show you that that's not true. And basically they were just, they were talking about like round penning and join up and stuff like that. And so, you know, I obviously shared the study about how join up can be done with remote control cars and it's not about connection. And this person was just like, 
yes, I can just feel the connection. I just work to get the connection with my horse. I don't bribe them or whatever. And it's like, this is not connection though. Like this is you using negative reinforcement and possibly punishment to get, to get the behaviors that you want. It's not any type of connection. I mean, horses, horses are going to do things with you either because they're reinforcing to them or because, well, yeah, pretty much because they're reinforcing to them or they're not going to do it because it's punishing to them. So if you're reinforcing them, you can ask yourself, would you rather reinforce them with something they really like, like, you know, positive reinforcement, let's give them some treats or some scratches and have that be kind of like an enjoyable experience for them? Or do you want to reinforce them with releasing pressure where the biggest release is going to be when you ultimately step out of that situation and leave the horse alone. Like in negative reinforcement, that is the biggest release. And like, that's okay if that's the training you want to do, but it's not that the horse is doing it for you. It's that the horse is doing it because of the release of pressure or, you know, whatever type of training or whatever quadrant of, uh, of operant conditioning you're using there. So yeah, that's just, I do not like to see people saying that. No, I hate it. (laughs) I see that all the time with dogs, horses, and any other species that come up on my social media. Obviously, I don't really work with many other species. I've done a tiny bit with cats, but not enough to feel confident talking much about it. But like, I don't know, it's just irritating because like you said, they're either doing it for some sort of reinforcer or as an avoidance behavior. And it's just very irritating. (laughs) Because I would much rather have my animals happily doing something for a treat than not wanting me to be in their space at all. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the thing is, it's very normal that the relationships that we have as humans with other humans is based on the fact that we get things from those people that is reinforcing to us. Like maybe we like the same thing as those people and they'll go and do that activity with us. So then you know, we get reinforcement from doing that activity with them. And that helps us build a positive association with that person. And I mean, humans having, you know, a more complex frontal lobe and having a more capacity for reason, at least as far as we currently understand it than animals, there may be a little bit more involved than that. But I think it's still even with us, that is a lot of the way that we form relationships is because we can get things from people and not in not even in a bad way not in a way of like we're using people but that's just kind of the norm you know when you care about somebody and you have a relationship with them you do things for them they do things for you I mean that's a good relationship if you have a relationship with somebody who just you know never wants to give you anything that's positive for you and all they want to do is like yell at you or whatever that's not going to be a relationship that you want to have and so why would we expect any different from our horses they might have you know different different things that are reinforcing to them than we have like for us it might be going to the movies with our friend is reinforcing and maybe for them it's getting food but it's still the same kind of situation that you know they're going to have the most positive relationships from being able to engage in positive activities with you so I think it's just unfair to expect our horses to just want to do something for us when we're not giving them anything that would make them you know enjoy that experience or want to be in that situation yeah I don't know how true it is with horses but I know with dogs there are certain breeds that people see as like people pleasing by nature like they just want to do things for you and while there may be some truth to that because some dogs have been bred specifically to work with people I just really don't like the idea of that label because I think it gives people the idea that they should just be doing things for us without reinforcement or punishment like they should just do it because they love us and that just doesn't work with learning theory we know that doesn't happen that's not how it works 
works. And I do think they can be having a good time with us, maybe without reinforcement. Maybe something we're doing doesn't involve treats, but it's still somehow reinforcing. Like a dog is going to build good associations with their harness or collar if they go out for walks. And that might be rewarding enough, but it's just... The idea of them wanting to work for us just because we're people is just really stupid, honestly. Yeah, I agree. It's just, it doesn't make sense really with when you actually understand learning theory and you understand how animals behave. It just doesn't make sense to just expect that. And if I was a horse and I was treated the way traditional people treat their horse, I would not want to do that. And I would not do it unless there was force because there's just no reason to do it. And I think, you know, if you really kind of try to think through the situation and, you know, as much as you can kind of put yourself in that horse's shoes, obviously there are problems with that, like anthropomorphizing them and whatnot. But if you just think like if somebody was expecting you to just work and do possibly aversive activities for pretty much nothing other than the fact that you're going to get punished if you don't do it, then I mean, why would you want to do that? That's just not something that humans or animals really would choose to do. You know, there's like a kind of a long history of like horses used to be working animals. They used to have to pull plows or pull carriages for people to get places because there were no cars and no, you know, mechanized equipment for farms and whatnot. And so, you know, at that point, maybe there was more of a situation where, yes, the horse just needs to do this. This is how we're going to survive. If the horse doesn't do this, we literally just can't survive. So we have to use force. Like maybe that's kind of the history with horses. But at this point, almost everybody who has horses are just using them for fun. I mean, even show. It's not a life or death situation. It's not like getting food. It's something that you're choosing to do. And even people who do it as a career, they don't make a lot of money from it. Typically, it's in the career sense, it could be a different situation, but that's kind of a whole other topic. But the majority of us kind of just use horses for fun as a as a hobby, as a pet, things like that. And so the fact that kind of this idea of having to force them is still there, it just doesn't fit with what we're doing with horses anymore. And it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, the exact same thing is true with dogs, too. Like, originally, we had them to hunt things, chase away rodents, other vermin, to eat trash, to protect our property. And the protection thing sometimes does still exist. We do still have guard dogs. But the majority of the other reasons we've had dogs, we don't have that same reason anymore. Now they're just pets. They're here for companionship, and that's about it. But we still use the same equipment that we would have used back then to force those behaviors. So I know, I don't know, it's really, really similar in the horse world and the dog world. It's just unfortunate that we're putting so much pressure on our animals to be something that they really don't need to be. Like showing is great if you want to do it, but you should be taking extra steps to make sure that their welfare is at the highest priority. And the same is true for dog shows. Yeah, that's so true. I really appreciate you connecting it back to dogs because I'm just out here like horses, this is a thing. And then you're like, yeah, and this also relates to our topics. So, <laughs> so thank you. But yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. And I think like the whole thing with food too, like food is such a big part of relationship building with any species as well. Like with humans, even, I mean, we have like food is a very social experience for us. Like we often will get meals with people or even with family, like, you know, there's kind of the 
idea of the family eating at home at the dinner table, everybody sitting down. I mean, I know that's not the reality for a lot of people's families, but it's still kind of like a tradition that we understand is something that people who either have or want to have a good relationship with each other will do together. I mean, on a first date, people often go out and get food and they talk over food and whatnot. And so I think like having food as a part of building relationships is just such a normal thing. And so being able to do that with animals just makes sense as well. And it's not, I mean, it's not bribing any more than it is bribing to like invite your friend over to have dinner with you or whatever. I mean, I know it is like you're, yes, you're doing it to get a certain behavior, but that's just kind of how they learn. I mean, like is pressure then are those people that say food is bribing going to be willing to say that using pressure is just physically forcing the animal no they're not going to be willing to say that they're going to want to say it's connection so there's just some type of like disconnect there and yeah I think it all comes back to like the idea of food as being something negative in relationships but it's really not and it's typically very positive thing in all sorts of species Yeah, I agree with that. With dogs, it can be a little tricky because they don't like to share food. (laughs) Resource guarding is pretty common in dogs, but I do still think that using food and training can be really beneficial to the relationship. Just don't sit in your dog's kennel with them and eat spaghetti. Yeah, that might not be the best, but I mean, some dogs, maybe if your dog doesn't resource guard at all, then maybe like Chip, my parents' puppy, he just, he absolutely does not care. He has no resource guarding. You can literally reach into his bowl and take his food out while he's eating and he does not care. Well, he might not like it, but he's not going to snap. He's not going to bite. He's not going to show any type of, you know, resource guarding behavior. So, I mean, for a dog like that, if you really do want to sit and eat spaghetti with them, then I guess, (laughs) you know, go for it. But it's just something to be aware of that, like you said, it can be more common for dogs to have resource guarding issues. And I mean, same can happen with horses as well. And that's a big reason why typically a lot of people will bring the horse they're training out of the pasture to avoid the other horses coming over and kind of crowding around and wanting to get that food. So just kind of being aware of those situations to keep yourself safe is a good idea. And that's another reason why protected contact is such a good thing because you can keep that space. Like my parents, when I was first starting positive reinforcement with horses, one of their things was like, oh my God, this is so unsafe. They know nothing about horses and they also know nothing about training. So they really don't know, but their, their kind of gut reaction was just like, oh my God, the horse is going to like run you over to get the treats. And I did have a situation in my past where a close friend actually did get trampled by going into a pasture with treats as a child and, you know, had a pretty serious medical consequences of that. And so, yeah, so I understand that that's people's kind of gut reaction to it. But I mean, protected contact is such a big thing because you can pretty much train most of the behaviors you would want to train without even having to be on the same side of the fence as a horse. I mean, I I personally like training outside of protected contact when I can, because I feel like you can kind of do a little bit more and be a little bit closer with the horse when you're not in protected contact. But, you know, that is an option for horses that are have a history of hurting people or doing anything dangerous. You can always train in protected contact and that will keep it way safer than traditional stuff. So basically, like we always say, management is pretty important. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click, Treat, Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at Click, Treat, Repeat Pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at Bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training!